Call on me live. to our daily gun show come to you live every weeknight at midnight eastern we talk about guns for an hour and it is friday and it is i don't know what episode it is 645 so 645 episodes looks like next friday will be episode 650. so on fridays we talk about the industry we talk about tech and we got some people joining us from all over the country we got gary jumping in from kansas pen for the hen thanks for joining Hey, thanks for the invite. We got uh, Hosh Nasi just got done with his uh, M Radio Crash Course podcast every Friday. Jumping yeah, in. man. It worked out. It was great. Beautiful. We talked about uh, ham radio HT antennas. So if you have a little handy talkie, uh, we talked about some of the best ones you can get for your dollar. So make sure to check that out on my channel. You're talking like handheld radios, the little whip antennas that you'd buy. Which ones yeah. are better than others? Just like this little whippy thing I got on here. Actually, this one right now, um, the company that makes them, I did my live stream and they said coupon code, if you use HRCC, um, you get this for 5% off and free shipping. So if you've got a ham radio, I can send you the link if you want to send me something on the Ham Radio Crash Course on Facebook or on the Gun Channel site. I'll post the link. Right on. HRCC Ham Radio Crash Course. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty neat because uh, little radios usually come with a little dinky rate, uh, antenna that's meant to be sturdy, where you can correct for the frequencies you want. It'll be a little bit more whippy, and you'll get some better uh, efficiency out of your radio. Yeah, so usually the uh, pack-in radio antennas, which they call rubber duckies, have a very low SWR rating. So it's it's really nice to the radio. It never hurts it. It makes sure that it's safe, and and but it doesn't really radiate much power. So a lot of the aftermarket antennas really put the power out of the radio, which is good. That's what you want. That'll bring us to Roosted jumping in. Where are you at, Minnesota? Yep, up here in Minnesota. How is everybody tonight? I hope they're doing well. Thanks for the invite, G. You bet. Thanks for jumping in. Um, heading up that way soon, so look forward to catching me some northern pike. I haven't been fishing northern in a long time. Um, Snob, jumping in from Oklahoma. Thanks for joining. Yep. Thanks for the invite. Uh, looking and clicking here at the same time, seeing if anybody else wants a link. So if you do, you know, raise your hand or something out in the chat, and we'll see it out there. Um, I'm down here in Tucson. We talk about guns on this show, so maybe we don't talk about it enough. It's called the Daily Gun Show. I like to go to gun shows and I like talking about guns. And I think talking about guns at this level is important. So we keep pipelines open. We keep our uh, in our knowledge of how to use the internet uh, sharp and we keep uh, channels there, uh, networking and so forth. So that when important stuff comes through, we have the railroad tracks to get that information out there instead of trying to uh, rebuild the wheel each time some, some initiative happens. Bloomberg certainly doesn't have to pay for that. So, uh, 
we have to do this kind of stuff on our own. And honestly, it's a lot of fun. We get to play around, chat about stuff, and um, oh, Patreon wants a link. So um, uh, I, we do this show. We're 600 episodes in, so that we don't get fed by, uh, or led around by the and the base media that's out there. I can't stand talking about whatever they want us to talk about, especially when it's a firearms-related thing. It's never something that is interesting or decent. So, you hear about the Kardashians, though? The Kardashians? You hear about that? No. So, okay. um, so that's why we do this show. And I'm in plenty of shows, so I'll chat about stuff. You know, we're not ignorant to it or unaware of it, but don't need to talk about it all the time. So this at midnight, we just talked about plain old guns. Uh, Bob and I started this show. I suppose just do the math. 600 episodes ago. Must have been something like 600 days ago. Had a few for weekends, I guess. And uh, we just wanted to just do something on a daily basis so we could talk about a gun shop every day. So that we could talk about gun, maybe a gun every day and stuff like that. So that's pretty much the stuff that we still do. We've changed the format a few times over the 600 episodes and it'll change again. I'm about to be on the road, so we're going to figure out something. Potato said he might be able to help out. So we might have to alter the times a little bit or maybe somebody else can help out who wants to be part of the show and start the show up every day at midnight so that while I'm on the road, it's a little uh, easier to deal with. But anyway, it's called The Daily Gun Show so that we can talk about guns every day. So that's what we're doing. So uh, what do we got? Um, industry and tech today. And today we're talking about bullpups, I guess, because there's a bullpup shoot coming up. So... Um, yeah, that happens in Illinois. I think it's the fourth or fifth anniversary of it now. I went to it last year. The site is pretty cool. The, the place that it is called, the place that it is held, is called the site, and it's kind of in rolling green hills in Illinois, in the middle of a cow factory. So it's basically isolated as far as Illinois can be, and uh, because of the way the hills are and the trees and everything, all the noise just goes straight up. So you don't even know you're there until you're there. Really neat place, and. Uh, well, uh, which I say, well manicured, uh, well built. You know, not not what you'd expect. Not a little shack out in the middle of nowhere, uh, like more like the deluxe, um, like thing you'd see out in the out in Wyoming or something for like doctors to go hunting in. Anyway, so I guess that's what we're talking about. So I don't know. Took a talk and you guys talk. Otherwise, we'll just sit here and talk. Well, the uh, the thumbnails for the chat is an AK forty seven bullpup. It's um, no, it's a developmental thing from probably Ishmash, but it's hardly an AK. Maybe the metal. <coughs> oh, excuse me. But so there, there is an AK-47 bullpup that I've held. I haven't been able to shoot it. My buddy owns it, and it's got a weird orangey finish to it. I'm trying to figure out what it is. Do you? Oh, oh, I think I found it. There's a black one. It's a Velmet. Yeah, one. he has a Velmet, but it's like a maroon color. Oh, really? I've never seen one a different color. I'm yeah. Looking. Okay, I got to go get a picture of it then from him. Yeah, so it's a Valmet. Have you ever shot one of those before? Oh heck no! There's very few of those in the country. I've really? seen of them, oh. but never even fiddled with one. I don't think. Yeah, he showed it to me. I'm like, what is this thing? It was obviously an AK-47, but then I shouldered it, and it's got that whole weird sight that's off to the side. I'm like, oh my god, this is crazy. He's like, yeah, it shoots great. I'm like, even his bullpup with the the linkage all separate. He's like, yeah, it shoots. You know, it's an AK. Finland and they're all worried about making guns good. So yeah. good gun. But um uh super well made guns, yeah. So um yeah, they're super rare and they're expensive. So if you got somebody who's out there shooting it and will let you fiddle with it, definitely don't miss an opportunity to do that. 
Okay, cool. I didn't know that it was, I mean, I've never seen one before that one. So obviously it's probably a little bit rare. So yeah, I'll, I'll find out how to get so my hands on it again. Kalashnikovs were made in 47. That was the cold, well, the end of the World War II. Then the Cold War starts and we start, you know, getting into, we're not going to tell them, they're not going to tell us the Cold War. And uh, they create the AK-47, later on the AKM, and then the AK-74, right? And then uh, somewhere in there, I guess uh, Finland, the hell, Finland captured some or something. I think they got forced some. It, Finland wasn't ever Russian, but they tried to make them, right? So they somehow got some of the AKs, though. I think they didn't take them, though. I think they were, like, licensed. So somehow they got, Finland got them and started making them into the Valmets, and then they started importing them. So they were actually the first ones imported, but since they looked so weird, like space age looking, they didn't look like AK-47s. I don't know if that was intentional or because they didn't like the look of AK-47s or they thought we would like, I don't know why they look like that. Um, no one bought them. So they were super expensive and very few people even bought them until much later when they were more like investment things because of what they were. But anyway, they were the first AKs in the country. Kind of I didn't realize it goes back that far. Yeah, it's it's like a weird kind of Bakelite stock, if I remember correctly. It's kind yeah. of interesting. It's going to be Bakelite. I mean, it's going to be in the 70s or 80s, 80s, probably made in the 80s still. Yeah, it felt like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Maybe like the stuff that old phones are made out of, which is a little bit newer than Bakelite. Yeah, something like that. Patriot's got his link. He had a link the other day, but he was looking at a link from... He thought it was a link. No, there was no link. He said I wasn't a, a robot. You had no link. So, anything else with bullpups? I've never been a bullpup fan, so I'm out. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them either. I have nothing Is against that the them. That's a picture of the Velmet on my screen. Is that yeah. the. Yes. yes. Cool. It's kind of strange looking. So okay. are the sights like forty five degree offset or something kind of almost? It's Looks it's like not it. that they're tilted, it's that they actually like shift off the sight line. They're actually shifted over. It's kind of weird. Oh, okay. I was trying to tell in the picture, it's hard to tell. Yeah, they're they're not cocked. It's like actually out there's a forty five degree like buttressing, but then it's out like almost an inch. Huh. That's different. So the butt plate is just to the back of the receiver? Is that Yeah. It's like at the rear trunnion, basically. Yep. Most of the time they put the stock right there, and then the mag comes out somewhere on your chin. Base is right on top of the trigger and everything. So that means it's real difficult, I guess, to get over the rear sight. You would think you would just hold the thing not horizontal. You know, hold the thing at an angle. I guess that's not. I mean, it makes optics almost impossible, right? Because there's there's really no mount for anything like that. You can always duct tape a, something on the side of it. <laughs> yeah, maintain duct tape zero. <laughs> oh, we're out of zero. Put another layer of duct tape on it. <laughs> Well, if you use Gorilla Tape, you get at least one extra shot out of the before you lose zero. Always super glue. <laughs> Only the pros use JB Weld. There you go. So the sights uh, come off on the, the left side of it? 
Yes. Yeah, they're off the left side. Which I'm not even quite... I'm not even sure how that, that like, all works out. <laughs> like, when you sight it up. You wouldn't have to bend your head over, then, if it's in your shoulder. Hmm. You can say he's a big fan of that bullpup shoot, seeing people walk around with all different bullpups. It's cool. And then he saw a rare in a Ben 2000. So I'm biased, so I didn't look. I didn't probably see the bullpups over there as much as somebody who's in the bullpups. I thought there was other guns. Maybe I saw the one or two other guns. I went, oh, there's other guns besides bullpups. I don't know. Bullpups must be rare around me because I've only known like two people that even own them or have owned them. And you never go in a gun shop and see one around here. No, they don't lend themselves for hunting, right? And then, you know, there was, they weren't really used too much for actual issue or anything. So there's no like big surplus demand. So it's really just people that are interested in the form factor, I think. Because the trigger, if the triggers were good on any of them, I think it'd be a little more applicable. So, yeah, so even the military like style, even the military style ones, the triggers are bad. Or very style. I mean, like a style or military one. Or I guess there might be another ones that I've never shot. Style's got a decent trigger, I guess. Not decent for a bullpup. It's not a good trigger. Only bullpup I ever shot was a Tavor Twenty One, and that was years ago. I played with an X95 at uh, NRAM this year, and did trigger wasn't as bad as the other one I shot. I don't even remember what it was. I don't have any clue. It was years ago. But it still wasn't nothing great. Do what? The Tavor? Yeah, at, at NRAM this year is what I played with. Well, that's a guess I don't know. I pulled triggers on it, but not enough to have remembered it. So I guess it didn't change my mind, but it is at least new attempt at it, right? Not just some gun that they made into a bullpup like most of them. Well, a bunch of them were. So is it a legal thing where they couldn't use electronics? And I mean, obviously you wouldn't want electronics for you know, uh, have it work all the time, but you know, with a solenoid or something, wouldn't that be an option? I mean, if it's just for something that you play around with. Or is that a legal thing? You would think so. I mean, it definitely isn't. Anybody would want that for reliability, but like you say, just for taking to the range, you would think that that would be a thing. But maybe there's, I don't know, I was going to say delay, but it's not like electronics are poor anymore. Well, what was that rifle, the bolt action? Was it a Remington or something that made one that had the electronic trigger that time years ago? I don't even remember now. There was somebody that made one. I just wonder if, like, with the laws and stuff if there's some you know because it's not really your finger actuating it no i've seen electric triggers you can get them for those kind of guns that you bolt down and then also for like sighting in they make different remote triggers that you can put on a gun so that you put no you know so when you're tight sighting something i imagine at distance or for accuracy you're not putting any influence at all on the gun okay yeah, the Remington Model 700 Etron X centerfire target rifle. That's the one I was thinking of. I had that electronic trigger. It was basically your trigger was just a button. I'd be worried about it going bad after a few thousand rounds. I don't think it was very popular. 
Yeah, I don't think it would be too reliable. I mean, you'd have to charge it up all the time. Plus, with a solenoid, what happens when it gets stuck open or closed or something like that? Mm. Hit it with a oh. hammer. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was curious. To do. Will it go off if you have a chip in your arm like some people in this room? I don't have like set it off. You got it removed. Yep, yep. that was I got it removed that morning. Oh, so you're 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 free again now, huh? I I am 100% human. I sent uh, Pink a link, so uh, a fan will come in and set us straight. He's actually been saying quite a few good things in the uh, chat out there. The Caltech makes some decent, you know, some interesting bull pups, and um, that. There is a good shite now. Um, there's a rifle company, Desert Tech. They make some fancy bull clubs. There he is. Are there any bull pups that have the magazine come off the top or the side? So that there isn't that issue of getting around the magazine with the trigger? Well, no, you mean, I mean, they could put the trigger where it's supposed to be on a regular gun and then would uh, shoot it from your shoulder or something, but I haven't seen anything like that where they move the mag, I don't think. Hey, uh, like PS90, they move the mag, I guess, up on top. Yeah, the PS90 delivers from the top. Because isn't that the, the biggest issue with the bullpup is that, you know, relocating the trigger and you have to get around the magazine or something? Or is it, or the my... problem is, yeah, because they're trying to retrofit a regular gun into a bullpup, so they leave the mag and the trigger in the same relationship to each other, and then, yeah, then you got to yeah. go all around it. That, and you get blasted in the face with gas. Hang on. AR-15 can shit in your face with gas. True. Uh, like I said, I don't even remember what bullpup it was I shot. It was only one time I ever even shot one. I wasn't impressed at all. That you was know, years ago. Now that you're talking about those desert techs, I forgot about <laughs> them. And that's a big gun. And it's, nope, it's kind of different, I guess, having it shoot behind you, kind of, but not really. And that just lets you have a really long barrel on a normal-sized gun. So that was, yeah, the Desert huh? Techs were uh, also ambidextrous. You could uh, pull out parts from one side, stick it in the other, and they'll eject out the other side. Yeah, I guess that's always something I forget with bullpups is that you're basically, you still have like a compact platform, but you've got a decent-sized barrel on it. I always forget that. I, I know that that's uh, one of its major features. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's like, so why? You know, for like 99% of the time, you don't need the long barrel for just doing short work. So who cares if it's all, why make your gun all complicated? But when you start talking like really long barrel, but a, a standard-sized rifle, you know, I guess that could be an advantage. Like I say, that desert tech actually. Now that you mentioned that one, is not so. Or that desert tech, it's not so bad. It's you don't even really think about you're shooting a bolt pop. I mean, it's a bolt action, so I guess you're not doing the stuff in front of your face. But, but. 
Yeah, that that Desert Tech is also. I mean, I mean it. It's it's a. I mean, it's amazing to shoot. We were three rooms down uh, the one lane or the one um, range out there in uh, Vegas had like three different rooms with different lanes in it. And they were in the far room and we were feeling the concussion in the first room just from that shoot uh, them down there shooting that desert deck. So I'm looking at a picture of them. Where does the, I see the bolts on the right side is that, does it eject the round on the left side then? Um, it's, you can uh, flip it. Um, you can configure, uh, like pull it out, uh, pull the bolt out and flip it to the other side and you close off, uh, like an opening and it'll shoot out the other side. Hmm. I'm just trying to look at it and figure it out. They're kind of neat. I mean, looking. I like that. You could, you could get an 18 inch barrel on that really easily. I mean, the one I'm looking at, how long is the barrel on this thing? Yeah, it was either Pretty 16 sweet. or it was either 16 or 18. I'm, uh, yeah, the uh, break they had on it at the, that range. <clears throat> I mean, you had pretty much had to double up your ear protection because it was it was brutal. Yeah, I mean, you got your face all up on the breech of it, which is kind of interesting. I like it. That's, I, this is actually the first time I'm seeing this. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is that's pretty funny. I'm gonna post this picture. How do I show that? There it is. Hold on. Hold on. Look at this kid. He's riding it. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty that cool. Funny. Kids happy as could be. Yeah. Dad's going to give me this rifle when I turn 12. <laughs> well, a bull pup allows a kid to shoot a gun younger, right? Because they don't have to be so long. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a so do they... Bull pup cricket? <laughs> do they lend themselves to better accuracy? I just—I never thought of a bull pup being a bolt-action gun for accuracy until I see these, and I was just curious. I mean, they, they say that there's a longer barrel, but I don't know if, except for that desert tech, I don't know if they're actually made for that. Are some of the FNs made for that pink? For accuracy? Um, I don't know. I've never had any accuracy issues with the uh, PS90. Of course, I've got the long barrel on it, too, so... I didn't mean that they had accuracy issues. I just thought maybe Benzies were bolt actions. Maybe they were built more as a target rifle or something. I just didn't know anything about them. First time I ever heard of them was about 10 minutes ago when you talked about it. Oh, wait, I was going to say the Desert Tech that I was talking about is actually semi-auto. Oh, i seen that one on there too on their website. I was looking to it, but... There's quite a few bolt guns. Yeah, I feel like there's a... There's like a resurgence in bolt gun bullpup action right now. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if resurgence is the right term. It's just that there's more of them than there were. <laughs> I guess that's the other way of saying it. I didn't even know that was a thing. Never even knew it. And I wonder if there are more because there's so many more other guns. I mean, there are more, yes, but are there more comparatively? Is there are they more of a percent? 
I mean, comparatively more than 0%, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I see where you're going. Zero. With it. There's never been zero. There's always been a couple of bullpups, and now there's a few bullpups, but there's just a mess of guns. So hmm. I was wondering if they I made mean, that dwindling. I mean specifically bolt action. Oh, okay. I, I haven't seen many bolt action bullpups until like really the last five years or so. Yeah, the, um, this handle right here on the uh, action, when you get back here, you just pull it out, pop it on the other side. This cover right here, you take it out, put it on the other side, and it'll send the... And that's their semi-auto for the yeah. Uh, yeah, desert deck? Yeah, it's their semi-auto. That's cool. That's uh, That's really cool. So where's the... What's what constitutes the lower on that thing? Is that I'm looking at the hinge right there. Is it just yeah. the trigger? There's a hinge here. There's I'd say it's probably right along this line right here. You think so? I'm looking at that hinge in front of the uh, trigger guard and I I'm, can't see where it hinges up. Oh, look, they got it compared to the ACR there. That's interesting. Hmm. Much less. Much less. Yeah. Look at that. It's 12 inches less. And it's 12 inches of stupid barrel that's just sticking out the end, really, for no reason. Yeah. And the yeah. other, you don't get any kind of real estate up front. So if you are running night vision and lights, um, people go, oh, night vision. Who's doing that? Well, if you're fucking really fighting people and you're in the dark, which makes it way easier to fight people, then you want night vision. Or you want your night lasers on your gun so you know where you're shooting when you got night vision on. And uh, that's probably one of the reasons they don't see them so much. Don't see what? The bullpups. They just don't have enough real estate up front. Guns do need to do more than just shoot people. Oh, I see what you're saying. Do you think there's a... a crap too. That's a downside. See, I think like with a bullpup, like bolt action i think whatever you could possibly gain out of that you're losing with a crappy trigger because i've never felt a bullpup trigger that wasn't crap yeah that's the downside of them right is that there's some kind of trigger linkage and you get a spongy take up kind of feel yeah so like whatever whatever you could gain out of having extra barrel length in a bullpup bolt action rifle you know you'd lose in the trigger mm-hmm well, that's where a company could innovate by making a bolt-action bullpup and figuring out a way to make Remington's electronic trigger system they used to have and make it all good and be kind of a neat, different thing for a target, yeah, I was, maybe. I was jokingly thinking about an electronic trigger, but that's actually probably the solution to some of that. There was yeah, one but then at that bullpup shoot that figured out that uh, trigger problem because they had... I believe a one pound trigger on this uh, old action bullpup. An electronic trigger, I don't think uh, would happen because some guy is going to take apart like a Super Nintendo controller and make that thing full auto. <laughs> nope, I was wrong. It was a half pound trigger. I'm going to plug mine into a clapper. <laughs> there you go. You can just sit across the room and do it. MK yeah. clap. Wow. Okay. The microwave. I turned the microwave on and I killed the family. <laughs> right. Put back on that. 
if it's a yeah. bolt action though an electronic trigger then there shouldn't be any issue with the, them thinking it could be too easily converted i still okay. gotta believe that the atf oh. would be like no not gonna happen never gonna happen take your toys and go home well we're not gonna do it not gonna do it remington like, made an electronic trigger bolt action anti-gunners don't see any illogic to the that situation yeah. We want you to have an electric gun, but with a bracelet, but you can't have an electric trigger. Well, they would say we could fire it from our phones while we're, you know, 200 miles away. <laughs> I already had that. So you guys don't remember this was 90s. So probably 98, 99. Uh, AOL, there were still websites, kind of. And you could, I'm almost positive it was then. You could uh, log on to this site in Texas, and they had hooked up a, a gun in a video camera, on a webcam, onto uh, a hunting preserve, and there's a salt lake in front of it, and it was for people that couldn't get to their place to hunt, and you could pay, and then take the shot, remember this. and you yep. would send you the pig, the meat. I remember this. Yep. About it. Remember that? It was a long yes, time. Yes, I do. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's cool. Awesome. You guys remember back in the days of before everything for webcams? That was like the biggest thing. Like, oh, I can go online and I can go to the webcam at the big building downtown. And then I like, every <laughs> once in a while, you'd get a chance to control that camera and you could make it look at stuff. And then whenever you weren't looking at it, you could watch what other people were looking at. So, like, everybody, where all the chicks were in a building across the way, like, they'd zoom in on the girls working in the offices or like, like zoom down at a park and see what's going on, zoom in on cars and stuff. Wasn't that called Digicams, that system? I don't know. There was a bunch of them. Um, I mean, that used to be a thing, too. Like, back before blogs kind of took out, uh, like, there was a lot of webcams. Like, they'd refresh every minute oh, yeah. or every 14 minutes or whatever, and it was just a static shot, and then they just update occasionally. And so you'd go to one page, and there'd be, like, 14 of them. Yeah. And watching know, the there was places like, go to lunch. And we would run down there. Somebody would yeah. jump into that webcam, and then you'd try to get back to work and see on see, see yourself on the webcam. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I totally remember that. Or yeah, yeah, there was all kinds of craziness with webcams. Like everybody's using those crazy like Logitech ones, the little ball cam. Remember that horrible ball camera? Actually, I had them at one point. <laughs> I got one in the drawer right here. Oh my god! Do you really show me? Do you have it? I put put your camera on it. I'm. I don't. Actually, this is 2018. I don't have a camera. Are you kidding? Yeah. I'm, I, well, I'm gonna I live stream on a camera. Has a camera. It's a Logitech golf ball. Yeah. I gotta, I, somebody should I mount. Somebody should use that on their next uh, gun channel's live stream. Just use the Logitech camera. <laughs> is that the? Uh, how, how many? Uh, how many pixels you got in that? Uh, one, you're like, what's the frames per second? No, that was that was it. One, one megapixel was a big thing. Remember, there was not even there was like smaller than a megapixel. I oh no, that was my that was my joke. It's like, oh no, how many frames per second? One, yeah, one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember my first uh, my first actual camera phone was like 1.8 megapixel, and I was all excited. <laughs> I remember the first digital camera I bought was like 2.3, and it was like, oh, man, this takes awesome pictures. Wow. <laughs> exactly. You took, you paid money for it, probably. Yeah, it was like you paid extra because they oh, had yeah. a nice camera. 
So did yeah. none of you did none of you have the digital cameras that had the floppy drive that was enabled in it and it was oh, like yeah. enclosed? Those were the best. Those were the best. I love those things. And that was at the time very big because you could put a floppy yeah. in there and it would just fill the floppy with like a few pictures, right? It wasn't Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like the MP3 player of digital cameras. You just pop the floppies out of you just have like a stack of floppies with you and you just go take a bunch of pictures. It was dude, it was the best. I love those cameras. I forgot all about those. We used to have one of those when I was in school, like middle school. We had one for yeah. like, I remember, newspaper or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dude, those oh man. No, yeah, I just took a tiny rail. I still got one of the mini DVD, uh, the little DVD, the little mini DVDs that you put in them. I still got one of those cameras. Now I got Picatinny rail mounted GoPros and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The action cam or the recoil or whatever it is. Right. Or you can get a camera in your glasses that takes better video than those did. They make yeah. a car, they make a Matchbox car chassis for a GoPro. You seen this? No. So, cool. so, no, but I'm intrigued. A GoPro or something else, but a dude on Instagram had one, and it's a legit thing from Matchbox, and it's just this like four wheels, and you put your camera on it, and it's for the kids to put on their racetracks, and then they get the like a POV of the car going through their racetrack. That's awesome. There's that, a couple of like YouTube cool. videos that are like Hot Wheels racing through all these random scenes, and I wonder if that's how they did it. Is with the yeah, little like this comes from Matchbox. I thought at first it was like Photoshop, but he's like, "This is legit. Like this is a thing from there." They had that, and what was the other one? there was another one. I know they did it with. Uh, oh, like the other one was a mobile machine. Like you, you'd run a car, but it was really just the poop from a you know that you blow bubbles out of out of a jar of bubbles. It was like that that stuck up out of a matchbox car, and you would run that through your racetrack, I guess, and blow bubbles the whole time. Well, I'll be impressed when you can get a camera that mounts on your arrow that you shoot out of your bow. Well, that's got to be, you could got to be able to do that. It would, I mean, I don't know if the arrow or the camera lives, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah there should be. You used to be able to put a camera in a rocket, you know, the model rockets you shoot up in the air that had a mm -hmm. camera. But an arrow would all be about the the camera surviving wherever it hit, right? Like yeah, the Maybe you could just make a broadhead with a tiny little lens right in the front, so you just watch it go in. Oh shit! You mean like into the meat? That'd be crazy. Sure. Like a clear tip. I feel like if you put the camera at the back of the arrow somehow, where it didn't actually impact, I feel like it would live. Well, he's talking to try to get it like so that you see it go through the meat, and then I thought they had camera bullets. I, I think they like do. Camera bullets? What? What are you talking about? <laughs> I remember that Hornaday did that for uh, April first. Okay. Yeah. You could probably make a shotgun, you know, like a beanbag round. Only instead of that, be a little camera you shoot out of it. Like those rubber projectiles, the, the rubber rocket things with little fins on it? I don't think it would, the kinetic energy, I don't think it would, I think you'd destroy it once you fired it. There'd just be too much shock, you know what I mean? Put a wad behind it. <laughs> that to be uh, wireless so it could stream it before it hit. <laughs> before it hit and blew up. All right, well, so we've been kind of just chatting around circles, so we're going to keep moving along. Wow, we've been chatting for 42 minutes. Did we start on time? Um, Pretty much. Wow, time flew. 
So um, we're going to talk about member of the day. We haven't talked about that yet. And every day we like to feature one of the members over at Gun Channels. Gun Channels, a place we built going on five years ago now. Community, 6,000 members, hundreds of people use it every day. And uh, dozens of people, you know, communicate, chat, hang out every day. So uh, it's a pretty cool place, and we try to feature one of the members over there. And today we're featuring Andalusia Armory. I don't know if Hosh will remember him. Pink. I wonder if anybody else remembers Andalusia Armory. On? Yeah. I don't recognize I the name. I have so, to see the logo. Yeah. Uh, remember Sean? Oh yeah, yeah. Like Ponery? No. no. Sean, like from uh, Andalusia, uh, Alabama. Was it and Sean Carter? Yeah, Sean Carter. They had oh, yes. Yes, they do. And on yeah. Tuesdays, the guys would close shop a little bit early and they would go live. And they would just kind of chat about what the customers were up to and what was going on. And it was interesting to hear, um, you know, just the gun shop scuttlebutt or whatever from a little shop like that. Uh, they originally came from New York and then bought the shop there. And start, it had a shop in New York, sold it, bought this shop and kept it going. And uh, this little, little town called Andalusia, Alabama, and uh, good guys. I guess uh, the schedule just wasn't working for them, and they put the show on hiatus. But uh, for years, I think at least a couple of years, I think they ran the show. And it was uh, Tuesday night, basically in Ghost time slot. He corked them, and uh, <laughs> good guys. They uh, uh, would come they would out. Always, they would always pull guns off the wall and bring yeah. it to the table and show it off. They were into music. I was gonna say they were. They were, didn't get to Tulsa. I don't think they were gonna. And then they had a gig up there. I thought so. That's why I was surprised they never got there because I thought they had said they got a music gig up there and they were gonna go see the show and the museum and everything. And then, as a music group, go play at a bar or something. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I like 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 badass community groups like that. Like yeah, well we run a gun shop by day, rock and roll band by night. <laughs> It's pretty sweet. Oh, if, if you needed uh, needed to know anything about the um, guitar equipment, the pedals, anything, they they had all the information. I mean, they would bring out like eight pedals and go through the differences of them. There's been definitely waves on gun channels of people who've been musically inclined, I guess, or you know, musicians. And that was a, one of them, I suppose. And they would have chats where they just got into guitars the same way. I don't know, Dead Horse is over there right now chatting about reloading. You know, there'd be just chats every, seem like all, all the time, chatting about music or something. And they would play. Well, Smeggy even played. Uh, they would, these guys would get together and play during the live chats. I don't know how well that really works with the lags and stuff, but it's getting better and better. We were laughing about the old days of internet. Man, I can't even imagine. We paid a lot of money to have fast internet conferences like this. Made work a lot easier, right, when you're working from both sides of the country. And it was nothing like this. The lags were insane. They were better than the internet, than anything else at the time. There, But, man, this stuff is sweet, what we got now. I'll bet you we'd be able to play music in here. I was going to say, I now you just played the clap down on you for robbing a copyright or something. Well, that might be. If you do all your own stuff, though, they can't, right? They'll right. still try. Yeah. And you got you to just, think that's the problem is that all that money gets tied up in whatever arbitration you got to go through on the YouTube side. 
I haven't done. So that's the problem, right? Until you become like an established channel for doing that, that people know you and you got a pretty decent following. Like they, they try to do anything they can. Yeah. I can remember the one night that Smeggy got his drums out and somebody had a guitar out or something like that. And they were trying to play. Yeah, that's got to be really hard because there's got to be even when you're in the the chat with all of us, there's got to be some kind of minute lag. Well, we don't even notice, right? Because we're just talking to each other, right? So we, how would we know if this thing is time compressed and shit? In fact, it has to because I know when I go yeah. offline, I'm still talking to people. It's got to be using some kind of time shift magic. So some of us are saying this stuff six seconds ago, and the rest of us are hearing it right now. You know, but we're all in the same conversation somehow right so yeah i mean we we're hearing it we're probably getting the best connection to each other but then the output of this is getting then put and compressed and put out to everybody that's watching so it, who knows <laughs> who knows that's crazy wonder that's like, has anybody ahead. ever done something where like if we each held up a timer and then we each had some set of alternating colors so that then the end users would see all the different screens and how if it was all working together, we would all change colors at the same time and all of our numbers would line up. So this is this is actually really this is a weird ham radio little like confluence. But um, so do any of you have radio um, receiving clocks that set themselves based off a of radio? Like an atomic clock? Yes. Yeah, I do. So as of number one, there's radioactivity in it. And number two, it's how Skynet keeps track of where you are. Right. So if we all put our clocks on the same time zone and held them up, would they be the same? Because technically, we're all supposed to be seconds, like, dead nuts on. Yeah, that's that's, true. that's interesting. So I mentioned this, and I don't want to go on a, I don't want to go on a big tangent, but um, the government wants to shut down WWV and WWH. WWH is the radio station that transmits that atomic clock frequency. So there's a petition out right now. If they can get to 100,000, the government won't shut it down. The idea is that they think they're going to save $6 million each year by shutting down this uh, radio station. I thought our phones would let it go public. Why do we need the fucking government to run a fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. But at the same time, if you think about like big to small... We should be focusing at the big money and not the small money. Well, with care. that said, I agree with like, you. I, I understand I'm both arguments. I'm okay with getting rid of little stuff. You got to start somewhere. But yeah, I agree. Okay. Doesn't our clocks run off? The that, that's like Eon Flux or whatever could do one of them without even thinking about it, and then he'd own atomic time, right? Are we talking about Elon Musk? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Eon Flux. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that cartoon? <laughs> okay. So you can How much also... are those atomic clocks these days? Well, uh, I got this one. This one's dollars a year. So this is uh, this cost me about fifty dollars. It has two time zones. It's a ham radio specific clock um, because it does a it does a ten minute reminder to re ID like put your call sign out if you're talking. But this thing's awesome. This is great. And I'm in the middle of my house in a very low signal area, and it's got like three bars of signal strength right now. And how much are they? This one's $50. You can get them for cheaper than that. It's got a cool little light. And stuff with them, right? What's up? Aren't there wrist, wrist watches and stuff that have atomic? 
Yeah, uh, yeah, my my Casio G-Shock is both solar paneled and uh, and um, atomic. So you never need to put a battery in it? Never. Hmm. Nice. And I remember when I got a wristwatch with a calculator on it in middle school, and I thought I was the coolest kid in the world. <laughs> but but to preface, the Casio G-Shocks that are both atomic and solar paneled will all be over $100. I don't know of one that's under 100 but then you can't use the excuse that to be late. Uh, how do you how do you make up an excuse if if you got one of those? Sunstorm, solar storm. Yeah, I, I don't get it. <laughs> well, I've got an atomic clock. I don't know how much it costs, but I know I didn't give fifty bucks for it because I'm a tight one. Oh, DTP made a good point. Uh, Sean goes by Falkirk Pepper now. Oh, Pepper. on the YouTubes, does he have a link that we can put out there? Probably. I think we have a link on the description of the video to his channel here, but I don't know if we have a link to his it. on Instagram. It's Falky Creek Pepper. Right, Fall so Creek Pepper. It looks like there's somebody there. All right, so we're going to take a commercial break, and I got a patch batch going, so I'm going to be ordering a bunch of patches for Cyber Monday, and I'm going to be Doing a couple of designs live while I'm on the road, but for the most part, I'll have all the designs in by the 22nd for the gun rights policy conference. That way they'll be uh, uh, being created and should be shipped and everything by the time I get back from the road. And that way everybody can, they'll be out and shipped to everybody way before Cyber Monday. So if anybody would like to uh, grab one of each of the patches we're going to make, it's 50 bucks and that's shipped. So uh, we're planning on doing 10, so that would be five bucks a patch. Uh, right now we're up to, for sure, we're going to do the bacon pancakes one, and we're going to do um, a chairs against, chairs against the Wall, the first in a series of those. We're going to do a new 762 by 39 spam can. The one I did originally was a commercial one. I'm going to do a, a real Soviet one this time around. Um, and then all we got left, I think we have one more. Yeah, the FU Media. I'm going to do that FU Media patch. But I'm not going to sell that one. So that one will only be available either through the patch patch like this or, um, you know, basically I'm not going to sell them. So there's no way to buy that one ever in the future. So if anybody's interested, uh, there's just 15 days on this one. It's just really the more money I can raise with this, the more patches we can buy. It makes the prices cheaper. So you're really helping us out to be able to uh, buy them at a, small, at a lower price all the time. So if anybody wants to jump in on it, it's over on Indiegogo for another 13 days. We'll have a couple more reminders, but I'll be on the road, so I won't be pushing this one too hard. Uh, I'll just be, as we start to see some people jump in on it, I'll be letting people know how many more patches we're adding to it. And then uh, I just want to let people know it's out there. Um, so is this, are these uh, the stitch patches or, sorry, did, I, did you mention that in the beginning? Oh, these will all be PVC. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, I don't have any of these patches. in PVC. Well, nobody does. I haven't made any of these yet. So these are all... Those are all the patches I love. <laughs> those are all my favorite patches. Yeah, I'm going to have to get in on this one. If I can get... I think it was 60 people, then we're definitely getting 10. So if we can get 60 people, that's a lot. But uh, we might do one with Matt. Matt's always wanting to do a patch. And I figure this might be a good way to help him out. And Yankee keeps acting like he wants to do a patch. So there might be, you know, there's no guarantee because I have to still talk to them. Uh, but it'll be an op option. 
but uh, there'll be some neat ones. I've got a couple others like the FU one that I'm going to do that I'd like to do, but I can't afford to just do them because I can't sell them at all. So that'll this also um, potentially be a way to get a couple made that I can only get made if there's extra money because I you know I can't uh, resell them. I'd like to do that one in PVC, that breakfast one. That's why I got it on here. Uh, I'm just going to find out if they can do the little arm of the skillet in PVC. I think that would be a cool PVC one. Maybe do it a little bigger. I agree. This is one of my favorites. This guy. Very good. <laughs> there you good go. That's cool. Very Bacon good. Eggs. My other goal would be if we can get enough people on board, I'd like to get, you know, to go along with that revolver. I want to do a, a lever action rifle, but one that's like ideally in steel for the revolver. So like a six or seven inch long um, lever action, but I have no idea how much that would cost to make. So, see how it goes. Anyway, just throwing that out there. Anybody wants to uh, jump in, there's links. Oh, and there's uh, 10, 10 bucks off if you go through gun channels. So it has a secret link. I'll repost that every once in a while over there. That's my new favorite patch, this one. Woo! I'm going to do a new, I'd like to do a new band because that's the old band. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You could always do that in 1911. 1911. I want to get a van patch. 1911. Yeah, exactly. I get a whole Van series patch. I got the Van series of patches. I think I have almost all of them. I just found a recipe for vegan sushi. Wow, that's horrible. <laughs> what does that even mean? It's a, it's a roll of fruit by the foot on a plate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm back in. Vegan sushi. I don't even know if fruit by the foot is that vegan. Probably not. Probably not. There's gelatin in it. It's not. So, um, had some, um, well, I don't know what to do with these. So we're going to go through them. I've been uh, working on these for the last couple of days. I did originally, I think, 17 uh, Second Amendment advocacy or seven, Second Amendment advocate cards um, just for stitching giggles. I just want to see what they'd look like. And then basically they flopped. Nobody gave a shit. So I went ahead and did the firearms inventors. But of course, we've got the Gun Rights Policy Conference coming up, so I wanted to do something. So you can't hardly tell the boundaries, but imagine this is on a card, right? So um, I went through and got most of the, at least 24 of the gun, uh, gun owners' rights organizations out there. I uh, did them chronologically. So we got the National Rifle Association. I didn't know that the Illinois State Rifle Association is the second oldest gun owners' rights group we have in this country from 1903. It was created with the National Guard and the uh, Militia Act of 1903 that created the Guard and the Reserve. So uh, that's when the Illinois State Rifle Association started up. SAMI, the people that do all the numbers, or all the, they keep uh, ammunition and everything uh, consistent. Uh, that's from 1926, and some kind of sporting goods association from 1929. I think it was at some conference in 1961, they created the thing that became the NSSF. Got, uh, Alan Gottlieb came on board when he was 26 years old with the Citizens Committee Keeping Bear Arms. A couple of years later, also made the Second Amendment Foundation. Then um, H.L. Richardson started uh, Gun Owners of California to, per, to 
fight successfully fight uh, the the uh, they tried to make handguns illegal in California. And uh, when that was successful, he took that organization national and created the Gun Owners of America. That was in 1975. This was all uh, before the ILA. So then the NRA said, hey, maybe we should do stuff with uh, politics and created the uh, ILA. Harlan Carter is the one who did that. He's important because he's the guy that did the October Revolt when they were not doing what people wanted them to do. Uh, then you got the JPFO in 1989, the Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership in 94, the couple of Citizens Defense Leagues of note, the Virginia Citizens Defense League started in 94, and it became the blueprint for Florida, Arizona, Georgia, and others, Connecticut. Um, uh, Pink Pistols started in 2000, so the Gay Organization for Firearms is 18 years old, one of the older ones. Wow. Nagger is from 2001. That started out as the Rocky Mountain uh, Gun Owners Association and went national. Um, USCCA, Tim started that in 2003. I don't think you know whoever that was. Um, right on. So uh, got a bunch of new stuff from Angelina, so you'll be getting all kinds of stuff that doesn't even exist on the store today. Um, AZCDL started by five guys here in Arizona, 2005. Uh, 2007, Students for Concealed Carry kind of got a rocky start and kept going. Uh, it's a tough one because students keep cycling through every four years. So how do you keep an organization, how do you keep someone interested to stay in an organization and run it? I would think that one's, I, I like to give this one a special credit for existing because it, it is such a tough situation for, for that facet yeah, of firearms sure. ownership. You got Georgia Carry um, started out as a part of um, concealedcarry.org, which was a really cool website that existed for a little while back in the day. And then uh, this guy was in charge of the Georgia section. And I think when that site started to fail, he saw that this needed full time and it turned into basically the Georgia um, Gun Owners Rights Group. You got the Armed Citizens Legal Defense Network. Marty Hayes and Masad Ayub started that in 2008 as an option for people that carry. Um, you got the Connecticut Citizens Defense League also uh, came out of the Virginia. Uh, as a uh, reaction to some shit that was happening legislative-wise, that was a couple years ago. You got Florida Carry started in 2011. We all know Sean. He's a member of Gun Channels. He hangs out every once in a while. You got FPC out of California. Brandon started that along with um, people from California FFLs, the California, what is it called? Cal, or Cal Guns with uh, Second Amendment Foundation and others. And then it became sort of a, an, a, an, a coalition of the state's groups. And then now it's sort of its own thing, kind of focused on California. I'm really curious to talk to Brandon and uh, get more of the scoop on where, I know where they came from and it's kind of, you know, what are you supposed to do? They're, everybody's trying to work for the second, but not everybody wants to work together. So, you know, I can understand how they got to where they are, but I'm really curious to see where they're going. And I haven't been able to. He's up in Sacramento. Every time I'm in L.A., he's in Sacramento. So I've never actually been able to talk to him except for on the phone. Um, then I've added uh, Maj's Black Guns Matter. I consider this one our newest um, organization. Uh, and he already raised, what, $150,000 for education. So he's kicking ass. Then I got into the, um, what are these, the activists themselves. So you got Burnside and Church, the guys that started the NRA. I guess these two started the NRA, and Burnside was the first president. Uh, 
burn sites where we get our sideburns, right? So uh, then you got Warren Page. He's the guy that suggested having uh, uh, an actual, let me try to say, like a trade show for the shooting sports, and that turned into NSSF eventually. You got Harlan Carter, the guy that started the ILA, part of the NRA, and then in 1977, um, also uh, headed the Cincinnati Revolt along with uh, Knox. You got Bill Richardson, that senator from California that created Gun Owners of California and then Gun Owners of America. And I put it all in here in a uniform way with their dates and some information so that when you're shuffling through these as trading cards, you can sort of put into perspective their ages, hopefully, and I don't know, I should have put their states on there, damn it. Uh, so then you get Neil Knox, who, uh, again, was part of the NRA, got sick of the NRA. They've tried to move to Colorado or whatever it was and started the... Uh, the Cincinnati Revolt back in 1977. Uh, this stuff is interesting because it seems like every 10 years the NRA goes through a change of guard. So we all sit around going like, oh, I can't believe the NRA. Well, good luck. Why don't you go read history? It seems like the NRA's had the same reaction you know, every decade or every so often. Um, so this is why I put these in there. And his kids are still around so we can get a lot of his story uh, through his writings and through his kids. I got Dick Heller. I put a shitty picture of him in here, but of course, Dick Heller is the Heller decision. So he's a cool dude uh, and he's super active. And I'm sure there's more to his story. Don Cates is considered the, uh, what is he, the father of modern uh, uh, Second Amendment advocacy, the modern revival. So we've gone through different attacks on our Second Amendment and we've had different, mm, I don't know what to call them, I guess. Um, refocuses on it and he's the one responsible for it being a self de self defense type of thing which just never was a thing throughout the years until he made a paper and got people thinking about it uh joyce lee malcolm there wasn't enough females on the list so i didn't have to search real hard for her she was uh cited her opinions are cited in the heller decision but uh, she wrote a book uh, and some interesting stuff back in 94 that again helped get us to this modern self-defense version of second amendment advocacy you got Larry Pratt, who up until like two weeks ago had a great stellar reputation, and then he went on to that whatever goofy show with the bunny rabbit guns and screwed everything up. You got Aaron Zellman, the guy who created a JPFO. Uh, you got Alan Gottlieb, the guy who created uh, Citizens Committee and Second Amendment Foundation. He's the guy that puts on the, the gun, uh, gun owners, gun rights policy conference that I'm headed to. You know, that is Timothy Wheeler, the guy that started the Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Super important to have doctors on our side. There's so many, you know, quote unquote, um, experts on their side. So it's nice to have some actual doctors on our side who are, who are pro Second Amendment. He also is one of the people responsible, or he is the doctor responsible for the defunding of the CDC when it turned out the CDC was actually funding anti-gun research or propaganda he's one of the ones that focused on that and held them to task and made it so they had consequences for that uh, charles heller is a friend of mine here in tucson he's been uh advocate since 2002 we started a radio show every sunday talking about guns uh, got lots of people interested in guns that way including myself he's one of the co-founders of the citizens defense league he's uh, been an executive director of jpfo and he's currently the media director of both of those organizations Got John Lott, a researcher and author. Uh, people should know who that guy is. Got Dave Copel. He was one of the attorneys 
with the, he presented the oral arguments for the Heller decision. Uh, Eric Pratt is the kid of uh, the other Pratt, and he runs JPL, or Gun Owners of America now. I threw Susanna, Susanna Hupp in here. She's the Luby's incident in Texas where she obeyed the law. She, you know, obeyed the law and left her firearm in the car. Her parents were killed. Um, Chris Cox is the guy that is who you know, he is. Alan Gura is the attorney from the Heller decision. There's actually a lot more to this guy's think I, story, I think. Chris Cox is one of the sons of Neil Knox. He wrote the book and helps maintain the website. His other brother, or his brother, his other son, uh, also maintains the website and does a bunch of articles. Uh, Tim Schmidt is USCCA. This is the guy that started Pink Pistols. This is the person who is running Pink Pistols in California. Uh, Brandon is the guy that ran or started FPC. Craig is, I don't know what his deal is, so I'll have to talk to him at, F, at the policy conference and see. But if you don't, uh, there's like a coffee with Craig. He does a, a podcast in the mornings on focused on guns rights and stuff. And um, um, I know he's with FPC, but I'm not sure. I know it says on his own webpage that he's the uh, um, communications director for that California Association of FFLs. But I'm not sure what his whole job title is. And then you got Maj, who's Black Guns Matter, and that's everything. So that's, that's a deck. I've got it printed now. Uh, printed off three of them. I'm gonna send them to Dano. I already did send them to Dano, uh, so I can take them. Gun rights policy. I don't know what to do with them. I think I'm gonna ask the organizations if they mind if I make these. But you know, I can't afford royalties and shit. Plus, I don't think anybody's ever gonna buy them. But I'll make them available online just so that people can help. I mean, I guess the goal is to help people keep track of what all our 2A history is and who these people are so we can give them the respect that's due and the uh, credit that's due, but then also uh, keep them track so that when we have conversations with people, you know, that matter, we have our shit together. So hopefully, you know, if it's of interest to people, this will be a tool that can make that process easier. That was live talking. What do you think? Looks like a, looks uh, like a pretty I, cool project. I don't know if you can go pretty back, cool. but if you can, the Pink Pistols logo, it's a yeah. pretty good logo. Yeah, it's a pretty little good. triangle that they have, like, uh, what was it arm, gaze, don't get bashed? Yeah. That's pretty cool. With, and it's got, like, a person standing out with a gun. That's that's a pretty cool logo. That's a really easy patch. Like, that's a cool patch. <laughs> Obnoxious uh, asking, is the unlicensed seller patch going to be in there? I've only ever sold like five of those, and I maybe had seven people, I mean, two other people ask me about them. So probably not, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I'll consider that somebody's interested in it. All right, well, so. There's nothing else. I guess we can end it. Do you guys ever talk? You guys talk all the time when you're in potatoes chat. Everybody just sits here. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I, I can't Wait. pull. I can't pull everything here. <laughs> you got a gun chat? Oh, is, are we on a gun chat? Is that what we're doing right now? <laughs> oh wait, this is about guns. Oh my um, god. A gun shot. Have you done any of the shot. histories or gun well, shot or anything like that? What? <laughs> what was the question? I said, have you done the uh, Today in History and Gun Shop of the Day and stuff like that? 
No, we've blown over the time, so let's see. It's August 31st. Here's the link to the history one. Our gun shop is another museum, so um, called the Fuller, where it go? Called the Fuller Gun Collection, and it's at the Chickamauga. Chickamauga. I don't know how to say it. Chickamauga Battlefield, I think. And uh, so it was a Civil War battlefield uh, on the border between uh, Tennessee and uh, Georgia, right south of Chattanooga. When I was there visiting with uh, Haas, we were visiting Artisan Tony, and he took us down there on his way, you know, kind of taking us into Georgia. And it's a pretty cool museum. I think it's the guy Fuller is the guy that owns the, or owned the collection, accumulated it, and then gave it to the museum. We've talked about it before on the show not too recently or not too long ago. And uh, if you're up in the area, it's definitely a museum that's worth checking out. It's uh, old guns, and it's pretty much a specimen representation of each of the different actions in the evolution of operation of firearms. So it's not you know, just a bunch of guns. It's a bunch of different specimen types. A lot of glass hand grenades, if I remember right, too. Glass hand grenades? Yeah, they used to make hand grenades out of glass back in the day, so they would... Uh, I guess some of them survived. Wow. That's pretty cool. That seems like a bad idea if you drop it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really worried about how, how do you transport it before you like intend to throw I it? I think you light them and then throw them. I don't, you put that, beer yeah, in a lit fuse. And then you drink the beer and then you throw it. Oh, so it was like an incendiary grenade or something. It was more like a bomb. I mean, I don't know. They're just glass things that look sort of like bowling balls or cannonballs, but they're hand-sized. I don't know. It looked like it was glass softball, and they called their grenades. So it was filled with like something that would be gunpowder in a wick, I imagine. Gunpowder shot in a wick. I don't know. Oh, so if you dropped it and it broke, it wouldn't go off. It would just be like, uh, okay, you got a pile of gunpowder there. Yeah, it'd probably be annoying if you dropped it. That's all. That's neat. All right, so today, August thirty-first. First one is British at Fort McHenry, New England, surrendered to somebody of France. So there you go. British surrendered to France today, but in New England. Um, I see one somewhere. I lost it now. 1842, U.S. Navy Observatory was authorized by the Act of Congress. I was just looking at that one, too. That's kind of neat. 1935, President Roosevelt signed the first Neutrality Act, an act prohibiting the export of U.S. arms to belligerents. Oh. 1920, the first radio news program is broadcast by 8MK WWJ Today in Detroit, Michigan. And 100 years later, we've got this right here where all of us can get on. Founder of the first U.S. Wait. founder and first curator of the National Air and Space Museum. Who cares? The founder of the National Space Museum was born today. 1940, U.S. National Guard assembled. They will be mobilized for one year, extended to two, trained and assisted more games to test new tactics. It says in 1940, 56 U-boats were sunk. 268,000 tons of U-boats were sunk in 19... 19- wow. 1941, U.S. Agricultural Secretary so-and-so, <laughs> Claude something, announces that meat rationing will probably be necessary. 
That would have been during the war. Yes. Leading up to it, I guess. 1949, six of the 16 surviving Union veterans of the Civil War attended the last ever encampment of the Grand Army of the Republic held in Indianapolis, Indiana. That's pretty cool. It's amazing to think that that recently in time, there were still Civil War veterans alive. I mean, I guess just don't think about it. It is neat. I mean, my grandpa was born, there was no airplanes, and, you know, they were already sending stuff outside the solar system, landing on the moon, throwing stuff on Mars. Yeah. 1961, a concrete wall replaced the barbed wire fence that separated East and West Germany. It would be called the Berlin Wall. Oh, interesting. Just the other day, they maybe a week ago, they were talking about setting up the first fences. I wonder if that was a year later or if that was just the, this amount of time later they started making up concrete. Oh. 1965, President Johnson signs into law a bill making it illegal to destroy or mutilate a U.S. draft card with the penalties of five years and a $10,000 fine. 1990, East and West Germany signed a treaty to join legal and political. That didn't take long. Well, I guess it took 30 years. All right, so we got one, two, three, Medal of Honors, and nothing else. The new stuff is never good. Let's see, a video purporting to show the methodical... Oh, no, I thought that was grizzly bears. That was something horrible. I'm not even read that one. All right, so that was our history. Um, talked about a gun shop. We've fulfilled all our obligations. It's a chat doing out here. 19 people watching, 13 thumbs. That's pretty decent. What about movies? Do we, we have a requirement for movies, I believe. Uh, we could do movies a long time ago. You can do a movie. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I just watched some horrible movie. I remember the name. I only watched it. I just watched Smoke and Aces, too. Did you like that one? Yeah, it was all right. I like one. I don't remember liking two as much. I liked one a lot. Yeah, two's in a nightclub and they have a <clears throat> the hidden bunker underneath. Oh, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he kind of contracts his own assassination so he can actually kill the assassins and then makes the great escape at the end. Or tries to, I should say. Sounds like somebody's really bored. Damn. All right. Well, somebody got a quote? I have one if nobody else does. Oh, go ahead. Go with it. No, go with it. Thomas Jefferson. No free man shall ever be debarred the use of arms. Websites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching Gun Websites. T Mobile. That's funny. Uh, no, we've got another ad. 
Oh, damn, you can't win, We're going to start over. We're going to start over. <laughs>